From WXXI News, this is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Our connection this hour is made in a quiet, spartan room in St. Petersburg, Russia. A group of people then sit down together, get up from their work, they're laughing, they're having a drink. Two of them flirt with each other. One rants about the political world order. Another can't seem to pull himself away from his work. This setting is a common one in workplaces around the world, but it's the job these Russians are assigned to do that is so unusual. Or I should probably say it was so unusual way back in 2016. Their job was to create authentic-looking social media accounts and blanket social platforms with divisive political ideas. They created a hurricane of hashtags and they brainstormed ideas on the wild kinds of narratives that just might gain traction on the American political scene, or at least on our social platforms. How about underground tunnels in, I don't know, Florida, California? Maybe those tunnels were used to kidnap children and facilitate pedophilia. Maybe it was the top politicians in the country who ran the operation. That one was rather out there, but these workers also published a blizzard of social posts on straightforward issues of the day. Black Lives Matter, abortion, taxes, on and on it goes. It was almost all disinformation designed to confuse or make people angry or emotional. And to the surprise of some of these Russian workers, it worked. And that's the premise of Russian Troll Farm, billed as a workplace comedy showing at Jiva Theater this month. And it is funny. It is often laugh-out-loud funny. It is also rather dark. Because as the creators explain, yes, it's fiction, but it has more than an element of truth. Some of the tweets we see that the characters are publishing are pulled directly from the real-life Russian Internet Research Agency in St. Petersburg. And for me, the show is also something else. It's a vehicle to remind us that human beings are not all that different across geographic boundaries, but pushed by the various state, they can do terrible things. At minimum, I suspect this show will make you reevaluate your usage of social media, which it has done for me. Let me talk about that with our guests this hour. First of all, in studio are two of the, the really outstanding actors who are, are in this show. John Lavelle plays Steve in Russian, Russian Troll Farm. John, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Renata Friedman plays Masha in Russian Troll Farm. Great having you. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Evan. And Elizabeth Williamson is on the line with us, artistic director of Jiva Theater Center. Welcome, Elizabeth. Nice to have you. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having us. And I know your time's a little more limited, so I just, there's a few things I want to kind of get out of the way. When did this, uh, this show first get on your radar, Elizabeth? You know, I think it was at some point in 2018 or 2019. So the playwright, Sarah Gansher, is a longstanding collaborator of mine. I love her work. And I remember getting together with her at a wine bar in Manhattan, and she started to tell me about this idea she had for a play. And as she described it, she was talking about what the actual Internet Research Agency had done online in the lead up to the 2016 U.S. presidential election. And then she said, you know, the thing is, the more I find out what they were doing, the more it feels like a job I would be really good at. <laughs> it's kind of like playwriting. <laughs> and then I started thinking, what if it were a workplace comedy happening there? And then what if I got inside the brains of the people who this is their job? And I went, oh, you've got to, you've got to write that. You've got to drop everything else and just write this play right away. And she wrote it incredibly fast um, over the next year or so. And then she finally had a, a full draft in 2020 as we were heading into the next presidential election with theaters all in lockdown. And so we went, okay, let's let's try and get this out there anyway. And we brought in 
multimedia designer, Jared Mazzacci, who is just amazing and was figuring out sort of ahead of everyone else how we could make live theater online when we couldn't get together in person. And he said, this is the perfect play to do this with. Let's let's do a site-specific show for the Internet. So the Internet is the site on which we're trying to create this. And um, we did the show first there. I have to say, as an audience member, just kind of as an aside, um, I want to sort of disabuse anyone's notion that this is just a show about watching people tweet. How can that be visually interesting? The set work is phenomenal. It is really creative and clever, and it is fun to watch. So I, I guess I just wanted to mention that for because um, I think I, I didn't know what I was expecting. I was very impressed, Elizabeth. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, I'm really was glad to hear what you said in the intro about this having impacted how you think about social media, because in the lead up to the next presidential election, we were all very focused on doing this production before we hit the election so that it would do exactly that. Whether people were leaning left or right on the political spectrum, we knew that the Internet Research Agency was out there trying to widen that divide and wanted to heighten people's awareness of that. Yeah, I, I hate social media before, and now I really hate it. It's, it's, it's a really wise uh, analysis of mine. Uh, no, I mean, I, we'll talk more about that this hour, and frankly, I, I am curious to know from listeners uh, of this program, um, has your own social media use sort of curbed recently? I mean, I think we kind of all know it's toxic. I think we know it's not good for kids. It's not great for, I mean, there's really rough research on the impact on especially teenage girls in recent years, but for everybody, it's not good for our mental health. And I even saw new research this week that indicates there's sort of this doom loop where uh, social media makes you sad. And when you're sad, you want to use social media. So anyway, um, there, I, I mean, all of that is sort of tied up in this, but I think what messes me up most, Elizabeth, is when I watched the show on this past Tuesday, um, you're watching a, a timeline that leads up to the 2016 election. And, mm -hmm. it w and it's sort of easy to walk out of it and be like, well, that was terrible. I can't believe that happened. But what, what we're watching is like, it's like still happening. And we're just kind of like, mm -hmm. well, we've kind of, yeah. <coughs> Who are you talking to on, on Twitter? I don't know. Could be a bot or could be a Russian troll. But I, you're still on there. Like none of us have done much to change anything. So I'm kind of horrified that what we saw on Tuesday, when I saw it on Tuesday, is like still happening every day. Why are we doing that? I get, I get requests on Instagram weekly that are purporting to be from 50-something Christian widowers who are always doctors working in the military. <laughs> and I think, wait, who, who created this bot and why are they targeting me with exactly this kind of bot every week? Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know how much we've learned. And... Um, maybe that's a question of, of media literacy. Uh, I remarked on this program last week that when I started hosting the show 10 years ago, we talked a lot about media literacy. That's a common theme. But what that is is totally different now. How we understand um, how to be sort of proficient and wise and understand what we're dealing with. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like with AI in, in the future. But um, I, I guess Russian Troll Farm just left me totally broken down. So <laughs> I mean, it's tough. It really makes you think you're about your social media usage. Do you use social media at all, Elizabeth? 
I, I do. I do. It's a great way to know what people are doing in other theaters around the country. So I, I see what actors and writers and directors are doing and what other theaters are programming. But I do I do question it. But I think one of the exciting things the playwright Sarah Gensher does in Russian Troll Farm is she also shows how when your job is social media, building that positive feedback loop becomes part of the excitement of the job. There's a scene that Renata is in where they create a fictionalized scene just to be very clear the play is drawing on real events but it's absolutely a work of fiction imagining five created characters in a similar you know in a similar agency but there's a scene Renata's in where they create a story that goes viral and you watch the feedback loop of the oh we're, we're catching fire we're being spread we're being retweeted which is really fun to see I found that to be one of the most absolutely compelling and believable parts, even though those particular, that hashtag, that theme was invented for the show. It is absolutely believable because um, for listeners who are wondering what we're talking about, I mean, it's two of the characters working together and they're enthusiastic about like, what can we make people, what can we create for social media in terms of kind of a divisive political narrative that once, mostly Americans, but once people are hearing about, they will then build on that narrative themselves and they will start spreading this. And that's absolutely happened. I mean, we know that that has happened. In fact, Elizabeth, some of the tweets we see in the show are real tweets, right? Or or, or were real tweets. I think around 80% are real tweets. There was a trove of archived tweets that the Internet Research Agency had put out that Sarah drew on heavily. So there are two interludes where we just watch the workers tweeting, and all of those tweets are actual Internet Research Agency tweets. The section we're talking about is a fictionalized section which Sarah wrote to give a sense of how they were trying to create things that would then go viral. In this case, the tunnels that pedophiles are using to abduct children. And, and I, I laugh not because I don't care about protecting children. I laugh because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just musing. It's amazing how fast things can spread and, and, mm-hmm. um, and for people to believe it. I, I want to ask Renata and John what they thought when they first saw the script and how they got involved. Renata, what were your first impressions? Um, I've worked with Sarah off and on for a number of years. I did a play of hers about five years ago, and she approached me during early COVID about uh, doing an online workshop and reading of it. Um, And I love her plays because they're so vast in their scope, and they're also sort of miraculously specific. And she's got a great sense of humor and... You know, I was locked in my house in, <laughs> in, in, in July of 2020, and Elizabeth was involved, and we worked on it together. Um, I was delighted to work on it. It's always fun to work on a comedy. Uh, what about you, John? Um, I knew Sarah from before, just from like you know being in the theater, and I knew Elizabeth from before from being in the theater. And then uh, in like 2020, I think it was, Sarah sent me the script, and there was nothing for me to be in the show. I didn't even see myself as Steve or anything like that. I just wanted to read it because I'm a fan of her as a playwright. And I read it, and I was like, this is so good. Who's going to let you do this? <laughs> and then Elizabeth Williamson was like, I'll do it, so, which, is, which is great. And then I got to see the um, virtual production of it, too, without being affiliated, just like as a fan, a super fan. You know. Why did you think the script was great? You know, sometimes it's like hard to be, I hate to say the word topical or, you know, important, right? But also funny at the same time and disarming. So I think the humor in the show uh, helps us kind of metabolize the horror of the show. And a lot of the um, 
scary points of view of my character in particular. It's like, oh, but he's so funny. And to do it in a way that really sets up the audience to be receptive rather than uh, front-footed and uh, trying to block block the ideas. It also doesn't, it's not didactic. It doesn't talk down to anyone in a nice way. So yeah, that's what I liked about the script. Um, and it's just funny and fast, really smart, uh, playing to the tops of the intelligence of both the actors and the audiences. Mm-hmm. Renata, why did you like the script? Um, well, I'm going to echo something our director Darko said, which is that when the election occurred in 2016 and so many of us were deeply devastated and horrified, we all sort of comforted ourselves by saying, well, there's going to be really wonderful art that comes out of this moment of flux and terror. Um, and then weirdly, there hasn't been a lot of uh, a lot of plays that have specifically addressed that moment in time. Um, and Darko said one of the reasons that he was so excited about the project was simply because of that. It's also been weirdly enough time that we're able to reflect mm-hmm. on it, I think, or personally as an actor, I'm able to reflect on it and not constantly be reliving the PTSD of that Got moment. Got re-traumatized, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's topical in a way that so many projects right now are not. I wonder if there is an avoidance of certain topics. Um, so the producer of this program, who's not in the building today, uh, a well-deserved day off for producer Megan Mack, but she also teaches and coaches comedy in town and she writes for sketch. And um, when she has students who come to her, and they often want to write about Trump and they often think that, well, I've got funny things to say about Trump. And it's not that she puts any markers down, but she'll tell them, you know, like, Let's 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 set that aside for now. Let's try to find something a little more interesting. And it's not that um, any topic should be off limit to art or to comedy or to shows, but um, to do it well is tough. I think to do it well, and I wonder if people are avoiding it because it's like, well, everybody has thoughts about this, or this feels played or tired or is exhausting, you know, is sort of. And I wonder if people lay off it. For that reasons, I don't know, Renata. What do you think? Um, absolutely, but I think one of the ways this play succeeds in addressing it is because we're coming at it in this slightly oblique way. I mean, we're coming at it from another country, the perspective of another country, and we, the, our designers, sound designer and uh, uh, visual designers, utilize Trump uh, in the show, his voice and image, in very specific moments to be as effective as absolutely possible. We're not really swimming. In it's him. Sur- yeah, it's surgical. Uh, you know, it's not overdone at all. But um, what do you think, Jen? I mean, what, what do you think about the, the notion of is this material sort of in play? Can we do it? Can we do it well? Well, isn't it like the the material as far as Trump goes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think well, anything related well, to Trump. Well, you know, it's like, well, what's what's off limits at the Thanksgiving table? It's like religion, politics, like all those different things. And we don't talk about them. Um, we talk about and, all those things on this show. But, yeah, but, totally, yeah. totally. But around Thanksgiving table, oh, yeah. we don't talk about yeah. it. So yeah. then it becomes this festering kind of thing and sensationalized. And then we don't listen to each other. We don't hear each other's points of views. And I mean, it's low hanging fruit, Trump, because he's kind of a, a horrifying, like, uh, you know, a, a dumpster fire sometimes. And it's like amazing to watch. No offense to anyone, but, you know, he is. And <laughs> if he just go away, we don't have to talk about him, but he won't go away. And he's left an indelible mark on this country. So I think if you're going to do it, you could you have to do it well, but not pander and not be afraid that like, I, we can't say this because we don't want to offend 
we don't want to go down the middle. We just have to speak the truth. And what Renata said, I think, is the best is like, this is a different country talking about it from a different point of view. And my character is extremely pro-Trump, like loves the man and sees him as a key to the future. And um, I think that's nice. It's not just deriding him. It's just kind of going inside the people that support him. Yeah. Let me ask him. Elizabeth, about this as well. Um, I appreciate the fact that the show is engaging in a humorous way and in a fictional way, but still with, I mean, 80% real tweets. I mean, this is um, essentially real history. And I think we have to, to John's point, not feel like you have to kind of go down the middle or, you know, to both sides it. Um, There's certain things that can't be both sides is that a is that a verb? That's a past mm-hmm. tense. Verb it is now. now. It is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we we do a lot of we do five hundred hours of live radio a year, and we try to be absolutely open to hearing all kinds of ideas, perspectives. I mean, that is a bedrock of of this program. But I also said in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen, and the people who employ me understood like this is public radio. I'm, it's not like a commercial airwaves where I'm just spouting down from the mountaintop. But I identified, at least from my own perspective, something uniquely troubling about where we were going and what a certain candidacy meant. And um, I still feel that way. I don't feel like we have to always be that way. And it's not even partisan necessarily, although certain things have sort of taken on that guise now. But I think I'm curious to know for you, Elizabeth, I mean, your your clientele, the, the members at Jiva, the people who come, I'm sure there are certain sensitivities that or sensibilities that are common, but you have a diversity of viewpoints. There are Republicans who go to your shows or Democrats who go to your shows. Have you had any pushback? How do you feel about, um, you know, what the audience is saying? I think it's important to have these conversations. Theater is one of the best places to do so because, as John was saying, we're able to do it through characters with widely divergent viewpoints. So we get to experience the story emotionally through these people having the conversation. One of the things I love about Sarah Gancher is that she's able to have this incredibly complex level of political discourse through characters and through their objectives and what they're trying to do and through humor and, in the case of John's character, a lot of grandiosity. Um, But I think one of the things to me that's very exciting about this play is that I really learned a lot working on it and seeing it about things the Internet Research Agency simply did. We know they advocated for... Um, Trump's candidacy in 2016, and they set out to do that on social media. Well, one of the things that I think we know more thoroughly now from a lot of research and a lot of articles in major newspapers, et cetera, coverage on the radio, is that they did it not because they thought that presidency would forward Russia's goals, but because they're more actively trying to widen the divide in America. And I think that's certainly the playwright's perspective. I won't claim to have any scholarly um, accreditation. I've just done a lot of research on the play over the years. But the fascinating thing is to watch that being the job, to widen the divide, to use social media in this way that we've also been growing, as you said, uh, to realize that social media is incredibly well well positioned to do, which is to hit a button that will trigger you get you to bypass rational, you know, logical thought, to bypass thinking, who posted this? Why does this have these particular typos that aren't the typos an American would make going from spoken to written English? What was the word that was misspelled? Type- liberal? 
Was liberal the word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, liberal. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Yeah. First line in the play. You forgot the, what is it, John? You forgot the E in liberal. And I say, it matters, don't send it. He sends it. And I said, it makes you look like an idiot. And he says, so Americans are idiots. Th- thank you for editing some yeah, of your yeah, language yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the fly. <laughs> Um, That's for the student matinee. But but re- the reality of this show, Elizabeth, is um, in this weird time when we talk about, you know, when we have an elected member of Congress advocating national divorce, and that's somehow like not immediately disqualifying. One of like, it's like, it messes me up that I have to say like, well, that's not rational because a national divorce, how would you do red and blue? Because rural areas are red. And I'm like, well, I'm actually thinking about the mechanisms of this. Why are we even doing this? But that is still the reality. We've got blue urban areas and we've got red rural areas. And this show, as outstanding as I think you and the team have made it, you know, wouldn't play in certain places or people would be sort of offended or feel like it's a personal attack. And I, that, I find that, kind of sad. I, I, maybe, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. How do you feel about that, Elizabeth? Well, you know, what's actually been really interesting to me um, as I'm getting to know Rochester has been that a lot of the pushback we've been getting has been about the language. So I feel like I should, I should John, throw out immediately. I in say this, many bad um, words. I'm sorry. In this conversation, this is a play written about characters who swear a lot. And we're, we're working on how we get the word out to people ahead of time so they know what they're coming into. But fascinatingly, that in a way that's fascinating to me, um, that's been that's actually been the big thing we've been encountering. Yeah, I think my son's my, my son's 10. I think I'm going to like have him watch John's character and be like, look, the F word needs to be <laughs> needs to be surgical and precise. And when you blanket it, you, it loses its meaning. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, like, <laughs> you, John, you don't add like a few F bombs just for the fun of it. I do. you? I literally dropped a few by you accident <laughs> and I would get line notes saying the line is this, you know, and for me, I have three kids. So, you know, to be able to go on stage and. I mean, years of pent-up swearing from the pandemic just explodes in a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful way. But it, it's in, about the language thing also. I mean, it makes sense how people were talking like this and people who know the culture are like, no, that's that's kind of right, especially in these high-stakes areas. But there's some things we say and it's like, oh, you can't say that. I was like, did you hear some of the stuff that our president literally said? I'm like, it, it's okay for him. But it was just kind of it was just kind of wild, and we, yeah. we we do that again in the show, and I feel like some of the the language you talk about in the show, especially uh, uh, like a tweet storm after the Access Hollywood tape comes yeah. out, it, it you know it's wild. A lot of that language was not ours. It wasn't the playwright. It's literal Russian tweets. Uh, it's it's from the government. So before I let Elizabeth go, let me just get an email from a more conservative listener who is is skeptical about the Internet Research Agency. He says, I bet a lot more people are going to go to this play than there are people who have seen anything actually written by the Internet Research Agency. No, that would be very successful for Jiva. So if that were true, that would mean a humongous amount of, like... Jiva would need I was to build say, from from their lips to <laughs> yeah, God's right. ears. Boy, boy, would I love that! Wow, that'd be great for a couple of years. Um, I'd have to run the numbers on that, but no, un- unfortunately, I think I can only speak for this room. But I think we've all we've all seen it on our social media. Oh, I, I, this isn't like theoretical. I mean, no, oh no, no, no. Is... It's it's well documented. 
And this is also not like sore grapes for the people who lost the 2016 election. Also, by the way, I'm not saying it's the only reason the election went that way. Oh. But, I'm, but I'm saying there are people who are employed to do what the characters in the show do. And the tweets that you see in the show are real. And they didn't get, like, no engagement. In fact, engagement is a big part of the early dialogue. How much engagement are you getting? And the answer turned out to be a lot. So, unfortunately, no. Uh, for Jiva would love to have more people see this show in person in Rochester than there are people who have seen tweets from Russian trolls. <laughs> but that would break Jiva. <laughs> It would be broken. Oh, it would be so great, but we should be also a fire hazard say... like you would not believe. We'd be <laughs> sitting on each other's laps on laps on laps and have to do it for a thousand years. But And um, to be clear, the Internet Research Agency is far from the only group internationally doing this yeah, in right, all exactly. sorts of countries. And like the Internet Research Agency is not an official government organization. It's adjacent to, and there are interesting connections. But there are organizations like this around the world, and like the Internet Research Agency, they're not focusing on one topic. They're going out yeah. and pursuing national agendas across the board. So I, I've eaten into Elizabeth's time yeah. here. So what I'm going to do is real quick here, uh, what do you hope the audience gets out of this? For, for the audience who has not come to see it yet this month, and it's showing until when, Elizabeth, what do you hope they get out of it? We're playing till March 26th, and we hope people have a really enjoyable experience. It's, as Renata and John say, it's funny. I thought the New Yorker was spot on when we did it online, and they said it kind of a nihilist farce. <laughs> but what's wonderful is that Sarah Ganter, our playwright, is so brilliant and has put this incredibly complex conversation into the form of a comedy with some fantasy and a little noir in there based on real events. Elizabeth, thank you for making time for the program, and good luck with the rest of the run of this uh, really outstanding work. Thanks so much. It was a joy speaking with you all. That's Elizabeth Bye. Williamson, Artistic Director of Jiva. And after our only break, I want to talk about more about the actual characters, because maybe as a student here, the professors in the studio would give me, they'd be like, what, what were you watching? But I really felt like this show could have gone in purely into caricature. And it didn't. There's real human stories there, which for me as a kind of a squishy viewer, um, I, I'm very sensitive to the way that we overgeneralize entire populations of people, um, whether it's a country that invaded its neighbor or the government's choice to do that. And and what, what it means when we start kind of um, seeing people with with a lack of humanity. This show has a lot of humanity, and we're going to talk with Renata Friedman and John Lavelle, who are the actors who play Masha and Steve in Russian Troll Farm at Jiva, next about that after this only break of the hour. I'm Evan Dawson. Monday on The Next Connections, we'll meet a father who lost his son to suicide after his son was addicted to opioids. We'll talk about the advocacy that family is now doing. In our second hour, the legacy of Lenny Bruce and a story of free speech and comedy. Talk with you on Monday. This is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Mark emails to ask, does Trump show up in the play? Uh, not as a character, no. Trump. I mean, what you get are news clips. So the timeline of Russian Troll Farm um, at Jiva is... Um, it starts uh, early in the year uh, of the election. Seven seven months before the election. During the primaries, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you get these news clips and you will recognize many of the news clips or the, the, the news personalities behind the clips. And then you'll hear, I think, do we hear Hillary Clinton's voice? In, in, we do, yeah. Uh, 
Donald yes. Trump, plenty of Donald Trump. We hear Melania. We hear Rudy. We hear... Do we hear anyone else? We hear various newscasters. Yeah, various newscasters. Yeah. yeah. So, but Donald Trump is not a character in the play. No, Mark. So, um, only in the actual news clips. So, um, and I don't, I don't think the show would have benefited from seeing a character of Donald Trump. You know, like now we cut to a separate location. I don't. That would have been a mistake, right, Renana? <laughs> I, I certainly agree. <laughs> I certainly agree. Yeah, I'm, we got enough big character played by. By John, he plays Steve. Um, John, do you think that the humanization that we do see, even in your character, more so in the second act, I mean, you come in big from the start in this show, mm -hmm. um, and we see a lot more of what underpins that in the second act. Um, but do you think that the humanization is um, intentional on the part of the writers? Am I reading too much into it? Um, what do you think? Well, you know, yeah, I mean, that's the job uh, as an actor, you know, humanization, empathy treating the character like a whole self, like a person who has hopes, dreams, and wants to do the right thing. Even weird dreams or weird even, fantasies. Even weird dreams, you know, and it comes from many different places. And uh, yeah, I, Steve wants to do the right thing. He just goes about it the wrong way. And his worldview is that of someone like seeking meaning. Um, and I think fully thinks he's doing the right thing and he's gonna, he's saving. He wants to save. He wants to save people from destruction. And uh, um and in so you know, destroy a few people by saving the greater good. So it is intentional because you know if Steve is quote unquote the enemy or the villain, it only raises up the resistance to the villain by making them a f full human. It's more honor. It's it's honorable to like the other characters, right? It's so easy to dehumanize, like like the war in Ukraine. It's like the Russians, the Ukrainians, just saying let's ban drag queens, not them knowing them by their name. These people who just want to live and have a life you know that's the only way we can go about it sometimes and it's really uncomfortable to laugh at the villain or kind of root for them in different moments um because they're real human and i think that's our job to look at the without judgment do you see yourself or your own character as the villain in this no i think that's too narrow or... no i don't i don't think as myself as a villain i i think i some people might but i'm a catalyst as far as looking for change and I turn up the temperature where I think things could go on as they're going on, and um, I'm a I'm a I'm a catalyst of change. <laughs> but it's essentially like I'm not good with the status quo, so I I definitely you know create conflict um, by wanting to you know I I want more a lot more, and I don't want people. It's not only that I want other people not to have. So yeah, I, I will also say, and I said this to John before the program. Um, there is a a kind of a fantasy sequence in the second act that I'm not going to give too much away in, but I don't know that I've laughed that hard. <laughs> it it is because the character, the actors just go for it. You just embrace the weird, and you go for it, and it is. I mean, I, I lost it. That was. Totally unexpected. It was outstanding. I, a hundred, just thirteen out of ten. No notes. <laughs> just, just, just beautiful. So anyway, cheers to that. Thanks. It's the so audience, wild. the listeners who haven't seen the show, they're like, 
What are you even talking about? Just trust me. It's in the second act. You'll know when you see it. There's nothing else like it, and it's brilliant. It's so. John's tour de force. It's, it it's, it's, it's <laughs> going into Steve's mind of how he wants everything to be. His relationships with women, his relationship oh, with his own body image, all these things. Um, yeah, that's what it is, and it's really fun to <laughs> play with Renata. R- Renata, you, yeah, you, you get quite a starring role in that, and you, you really embraced it, too. You just had, had fun with the weird. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that's so enjoyable at Sarah, about Sarah's work is that we get to explore so many different styles. We get to work in a world of naturalism and we get to do heightened stylized comedy. It's a total pleasure. Yeah. Um, for your character, you play Masha and um, Masha is not nearly as bombastic as Steve, very different person. But um, someone with very different goals and dreams, maybe even getting out of Russia, going to London, uh, having a very different life, maybe having kids or finding love. And, and um, your intention when you are, your character is writing tweets that Americans are reading, you're taking a different kind of pleasure in it. Your character loves the fact that this interesting narrative that you worked on is actually taking root. It's... It's less about, yeah, like, you know, let's let's kind of screw the American discourse. It's more like, hey, we're working on a, an interesting creative project and this is actually working. Mm-hmm. And I I have to imagine there are real people in that boat, too, because you have to find different motivations for yourself if you're doing work that is kind of gross. What do you think? Absolutely. There's. It's been interesting reading about the Internet Research Agency in terms of Reading about the experiences of people who worked within that organization, there have been a few people who've come forward to just discuss the ins and outs of the how mundane it was. Um, they would work 12-hour shifts. One of the ways that uh, researchers began to link these tweets to the Russians is that they realized that the tweets were, for the most part, happening during Russian business hours, not on Russian holidays and not on Russian, not on weekends. Um, and so I think I think it's been just interesting exploring for Masha how the power of story and how she falls in love with the power of story and um, how she doesn't actually believe that this will have the consequences that it ultimately does have. Um, that for her, she's just swept up in the magic of it. She, in fact, in the play says, uh, states... Her belief that Hillary will win, of course Hillary will win. She has no understanding of the damage she's causing. I'm going to be really careful when I say this, but that gets sewn up in a really powerful bow later. So Yeah. Yeah. A realization like, yes, accomplishment of a task, but what does it actually mean? Um, There's something very, very human about that. Um, And... Again, I apologize if I'm over reading this, but I've since the since seeing your show, I, I've even thought about the way we do talk about um, Russia, Ukraine. And I have friends who, you know, feel like at this point, if you're a Russian citizen and you're still there and you're not in prison and you're not protesting, then you're an accomplice. And I have friends who I think feel like that's crazy. People um, people don't want to leave their families, leave their kids behind and go to prison for five months or 15 years. And it's a very, very hard place to be. It's also hard for Americans to figure out, do Russians support this? Um, how do we feel about you know, Russians as a people? How do we not stereotype? So the humanity that your characters gave in various ways has me thinking about a lot of different things. And so I 
So this is where you go like, cool, you're overreading it. <laughs> not at all. No? No. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it's also part of our job as performers and entertainers to make people human and to find all the different angles to them. Yeah. There's no othering, you know? I mean, yeah. it's the propaganda. It's like, well, you know, let's take down the pedophiles. We're not pedophiles. This is a noble cause. And for Russian propaganda, it's like, you know, Ukraine's being overrun by fascists and Nazis. Let's take them down. And people just want to do the right thing. Um, but you just have to mis you know, mislead them, you know, towards that. Alan emails to ask, are Americans trying to counter their misinformation with more information? I don't know, man. Like, oh, God. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that that's the solution, Alan. I, um, but but let me key in on something Renata said. You mentioned that um, that there are people who have come forward from the Internet Research Agency in Russia talking about some of the, the mundane nature of the work, these long shifts, just cranking out as many social posts as possible, seeing what sticks. Did you do, did you try to read up on that before you took on your character, did both of you? Um, as part of the process of any play, especially new plays, there's always a lot of dramaturgy work, but that actually, um, a lot of that research gets done for us and we show up on the first day and there's a dramaturgy packet and we had a fabulous associate dramaturg, Fiona Kyle, who created an a 100-page packet about the history, the history of, of Russia. Russia and the Internet Research, Research Agency and all these, you know, interviews with former trolls. And it was deeply informative. So most of the information I have is just simply through that because she's already combed <laughs> combed through the Internet. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, Sarah mentions works like Julie C. Evola and uh, Alexander Dugan. And you could just read up on them and just see what they're going for. And then um, there's a book called It Came From Something Terrible or Something Awful that I read about how 4chan um, gave all these people the idea of how they can manipulate people. So that was a really great book. And then um, Cyber Wars was another great book to just kind of really start to see all the stuff and answer the, the, the gentleman who emailed earlier. Yeah, you if you do that, research, you'll see how much of these tweets are embedded into our lives now. Um, and then, of course, Fiona put together an amazing dramaturgical package. It was like a thesis. It was amazing. It's always fascinating to read about that stuff. But ultimately, our job is in a weird way similar to what Masha is doing, which is just creating a story. Create the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another, let me read a couple more here. So uh, another listener saying, our government does misleading stuff. Again, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to both sides it like evenly. <laughs> um, I don't know that we had a paid agency trying to destabilize. But I, I'm also not naive. I get it that throughout history in this country, our government, our intelligence agencies have tried um, in various ways to sometimes destabilize or affect outcomes. Our hands are not perfectly clean. I mean, I I get all of that. I don't know that I would equate it perfectly. Um, I don't know. Like, does that invalidate the show, John? I mean, like, we've done some bad stuff, so I don't know. No, it, that's what aboutism. Like, what aboutism is is just like, I could be awful because this other thing was awful, so I don't have to be better. And we talk about the CIA's involvement in a coup in the show and how they were using story and propaganda and radio to instill a coup. Uh, install a coup. So... Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I mean, if if we try to be less awful, then 
I mean, what's 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 the prize at the end of that? Right. The job of the trolls in the show is is, I mean, we we're talking a lot about Trump, Trump, but it it wasn't specifically about getting him elected. What we're doing in the show is we're creating discontent. We're creating flame wars. We're creating arguments online coming from all sides. We're sides. We're portraying. Uh, Bernie voters were portraying Hillary voters, were portraying Trump voters. Liberals, too. Like, we're playing people who are, you know, so obsessed with syntax um, and be superior. One of the techniques that one of the former trolls discussed was working in a team of three where one person would create a post, the next person on the team would respond to it, comment on it, and then the third person would comment on that, and they would create uh, angry discourse in the comment thread and that was the goal of the entire post, was drawing people into this argument and creating this level of outrage. Well, then let me skip to another comment. I'll come back to a couple of things I want to hit. But um, listeners asking if the actors in the show have changed their social media use because of what they're learning about in their characters. Renata? Well, personally, I'm not deeply active on social media, but I certainly look at it all with a new sense of skepticism in terms of how easily we want to believe wonderful stories and how how much we want to believe terrible stories. I mean, it's it's so simple to see a headline and just, or not, I shouldn't say a headline, but see someone's tweet about an experience that happened to them and to believe mm-hmm. it. Um, so... Yeah, I've I've simply curated my my Instagram feed to be to simply be photos of my friends' children. So, <laughs> John, oh, uh, has the show changed it? I mean, has it affected how you think about social usage? Um, the show I've, I've been examining that for a long time. I repeatedly I'm so glad we're talking about this because um, therapy is so expensive. So I'm just going to use you <laughs> now to talk about this. But yeah, I've I've repeatedly deleted my Instagram and I got off Twitter. Um, when, you know, the, the, I don't remember his name, some CEO took over and, um, he's a guy and I took off that, <laughs> took that down. And then on Facebook, I literally just keep it there. I, I engaged a lot on Facebook with, um, people who have the same background as me, but very different ideas. Um, and, uh, you know, my friend said, you'd only have to fight with like six fascists a, j- a day, John, you could really slow it down. And I stopped engaging around then. So yeah, kind of like Renata, I, I don't really do social media that much. And as an actor, it kind of is hard because you're supposed to promote and all this stuff. But I feel the doom scroll, the yeah, doom yeah. scroll of kind of comparison. And um, I'm also very careful because I don't want my kids on there. Well, so I was going to ask you if I'm allowed to ask you. you know, sure, sure. But for yourself, it's one thing. I don't know how old your kids are. My son's going to be 11 this month. Oh, wow. No to social media. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, in adulthood, he will do what he wants to. But uh, how are you on that? Uh, I don't mind saying my kids' names. Eric, Donald Jr., and <laughs> Ivanka. Great kids. Um, no, I'm, 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 in the, I'm in the same. If we have another one, we don't talk about her. Tiff's something. But, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm very careful with even having a, a photo or even letting people know locale of my family. And I, I kind of reason why someone who was very upset with me, um, wanted to know a lot of information about where I was living, my family and all that stuff. And I'm like, no, no. He's like, well, we're friends. I'm like, we're Facebook friends. That's not IRL. So 
I'm very careful with my like putting my family out there because you know, especially they're young, they're really young, so it's like they don't have a choice to engage in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, gosh, I feel so the TikTok and the oh, that was really old sound. The TikTok and the oh, the well, social I mean, media. So I mean, I'm I'm 43 and I'm really glad you look great. <laughs> Listeners, he looks great. There's a reason I'm on radio. I used to be on TV. <laughs> so I f- I'm grateful that I grew up largely without this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like my first email account was in college and it was this clunky dial up like, you know, like, like my son will never understand. Kids now are like, why is this not instant? Like yeah, what, yeah. what? And I didn't. So I'm kind of a bridge generation. Smarter people than me have probably figured out how to describe this. But I'm really glad that I had a chance to grow up without it. But I also understand we're never going back to that world. No. I mean, for the most part, I mean, I mean, maybe in a million years when we're rebuilding civilization starting from scratch, but we're not going there and I get it. So I, I can't just be a curmudgeonly guy about it, but I don't want them on social. And it's not just because of your show. The show definitely makes me question more of what I'm seeing, but it just, it's so harmful. And, you know, you talk about battling fascists. Forget whether the person you think is wrong on the internet is a Russian troll or not, and it turns out there's a higher chance that's true <laughs> than I even thought based on the show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jiva. Thank you, Russian Troll Farm. But, like, for what? So someone's wrong on the internet. I'm like, I can't go to bed. Yeah, yeah. This person I've never met, who's got 16 followers, is wrong. And I would like them to acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, what are we doing? It's such a bad use of our time and mental space. So I thought this was therapy for you. Now it's no, it's for us. It's great. It's therapy for me. I'll, I'll, I'll put some lavender out. <laughs> good. Um, but are you, are you cynical, Renata, about, about all of this? Like, I mean, how do you, I think cynicism is a very negative force. And I, I try not to feel like anybody I encounter online is either a bad actor or a Russian troll or somebody out to destabilize, but it's easy to become cynical or even nihilistic and, yeah. How do you uh, resist that? Um, well, I think it's useful to remind ourselves how new social media is. I mean, I don't think I had a social media account until 2008. I mean, it's it's brand new. And we, in a weird way, it's possible that the those younger than us are actually a lot more savvy about it and less gullible than we are. I hope. Yeah. That's But that's a really interesting observation. If If you could break this down... By age, how many people sort of get pulled into different directions? But where is that? I wasn't even going to read this. But um, Allison emailed this morning when we teased the show. Evan, we shouldn't think of Russian trolls as being a thing of the recent past. After all, they certainly help with getting members of Congress elected like M- <laughs> Margaret Marjorie. Sorry, Allison. She wrote Margaret Taylor Green. Marjorie Taylor Green. Um, Pro- yeah, I mean, like that that candidacy was built on Pizzagate theories and, and the like. Well, yeah, it's like you don't need facts. You need just opinion. And opinion is just enough to be taken as facts now. I mean, that's what the vibe is. I think um, MGT, as I call her, I know, MTG. Well, she can't spell either. But, <laughs> but you know, um, she literally said something like uh, 8 billion people did something wrong. There's not... <laughs> It's more than the world population. Um, How do you know? I don't know anything, really. Yeah, right. But yeah, but that's also just bullying. Like, that's the thing I think about 
with every aspect of life, you, you're never too old to be bullied. And that's the, that's the thing that makes me really worried. And that's what you yeah, know, elected officials are doing yeah. with misinformation. They're bullying people and people just want to live, live their lives. Uh, but yeah, it all built on that QAnon conspiracy theory stuff. Andy writes the show and says, haven't seen the show yet, but my parents have recommended it to me. Here's a bit of a philosophical question and comment. But what happens when they don't need to employ humans as a troll farm because AI or chat GPT does it more prolifically and effectively? I suspect that's already in development or happening probably now already. I don't know. It must be. I mean, they do reference bots when you read about some of the Internet research agencies. Yeah, spelling stuff. bots doesn't really take much to, to put out a spelling bot AI. Yeah. I'm sure it's happening. Maybe this is, I'm going to try to end this on a really optimistic note, oh, in, a, good. in a really naive note. Um, but one of the really um, dangerous developments is when entire populations don't trust anybody, don't trust any authority or source. And this is not me saying like, everybody line up and su support every leader and, you know, support the state, never question. Healthy skepticism is great and it's totally valuable. Um, but saying that nothing is true is very, very dangerous. Um, and the destability that has come as a result of, yeah, the Russian troll farm and leaders who want that um, is very dangerous. The naive part of me hopes that we might get to a breaking point where the younger generations of adults are like, look, um, you have to, you, we have to have new standards for how we sort of interact and um, whether that's more of an emphasis on in-person or person-to-person -person communication that's verifiable, um, not accepting uh, obviously sort of body trolly names or accounts that don't have pictures or verified. Maybe that's where we end up going and we, we end, up, end up in a healthier place with communication. Probably not, but maybe. Um, and I also, somebody's going to write and be like, Evan, I use uh, a pseudonym because I'd get fired at work for expressing political opinions. And that's valuable too. I get it. So it's complicated. But there's a real danger here for how we're interacting. And this show is fiction, but there's a lot of truth there. So I'm just really grateful that John and Renata came in and they're like, what are we doing on a Friday afternoon? <laughs> but what else would you be doing? John, what are you doing in Rochester th these days? Oh, um, lots of push-ups. <laughs> Um, going to the gym, eating healthy. Uh, watch. I've finished a lot of shows I've been meaning to watch, uh, a lot of that. And um, yeah, we only just got out of lots of rehearsals just a few weeks ago. I had beef on weck, and I'm going to get a garbage plate as soon as I can. Beef on weck's more buffalo, but we'll we'll let it go. Oh, oh sorry. Well, my, my cousin's from here. Okay. My cousin Corbin and my cousin Chelsea live in Rochester, and he said beef on weck. Oh, yeah, he did say it was a buffalo thing. But he did say I have to get a garbage plate, garbage and I'm going to. Yeah. What about you, Renata? I have been standing in my padded closet recording audiobooks all day long, every day. Oh, you're an audiobooker. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Listen to that voice. He, John also does a lot of voiceover and animation stuff as well. But um, yeah, I've been catching up on all my audiobook contracts now that we're open. I've got two guests in studio who, if you could put their voice in a bottle, you could pour them on pancakes. So the right... <laughs> You can put that on a business card. Oh, there that's us. We're the two guests. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's oh, nobody great. else here. Thank There's nobody you. else here. It's just you guys. Um, so I really enjoyed the conversation, as dark as some of the themes are. Um, and I appreciate your work. It's been really fun to watch you and to talk to you, John Lavelle. John plays Steve in Russian Troll Farm, showing now at Jiva through most of the end of the month here, and they would love to see you out there. And Renata Friedman plays Masha. John and 
I was going to say Steve. <laughs> John and Renata, thank you for being here. Thank really, you. Really thank great you having so much. both of you. And our thanks, of course, to Elizabeth Williamson, Artistic Director of Jiva, for joining us earlier this hour. From the whole team at Connections, it's Evan and Megan and Rob and Katie saying thank you, for, and Aaron saying thank you for listening. And we are back with you next week on Member Supported Public Radio.